True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. With me, as always, is Eric Steven. Eric, how's it going? Pretty good. Hello. The Dodgers had quite a week. We have we have a jam packed episode. I hope we can get through it in under an hour. We're going to try though. I always know how the week goes when um, when I because I, I generally like podcast prep is on Sunday night or whatever, and then I'm finishing up like the week interview. I, I tend to write that like as the week goes along. But like there was so many like nuggets and then like so much stuff happened over the weekend, like the, the weekend review post, which is usually it's it's it has like a standard length that like if I don't write much, it's still it's usually around 600 words or something. Like if I don't add much at all, this this one was 2200 words. <laughs> like it just was like there was so much stuff going on, like, like to write about. So, yeah, I don't yeah, even know we, to... we got a lot. I don't know how to sum it up before we go to the ad break. Uh, real quick, Dodgers are 54 and 25, 13 game lead uh, in the NL West after going six and one last week, seven games played. We've got a quick ad break to start at this beginning. Hopefully, we didn't get one last week, even though we said we would. I think we're going to get one this time, and then we'll unpack the week. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager... Are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. And we're back. I think maybe that'll be our first actual start ad. Man, Had a technical I, difficulties last week, but at some point they're coming. I really love this product, like way more than last week's product. That's all I'll say. Last week's product was another wonderful SB Nation podcast, so you should change your tune. It was great. I, I meant that. Unless it was time. Farmer John, and then, yeah, sure. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So yeah. we, where do you want to start? There's a lot to talk about. We mentioned that. The rookies, do you want to talk about rookie? That's probably what everyone wants us to start with. So Yeah, but for, I think we should start off as we started off almost every podcast Fair. this year. Just just a quick update. Uh, Cody Bell and Jerry hit a couple more home runs. Uh, 
He is, we are at, through 79 games. You mentioned the record. It's the Dodgers. It's they're tied for their best record through this amount of games since they moved to LA. 1974 team was also uh, 54 and 25. They won 104 games and then they went to the World Series. So um, the other team that was close was 77. They won 53 games. They also went to the World Series. And then everyone's, of course, going to say, yeah, but they lost the World Series, so they're screwed. It's like, yeah, that's because that's how baseball works, whatever. Um, but so we're almost at the halfway point. You could almost basically just double the totals right now. Uh, Cody Bellinger is sitting on 25 home runs and 61 RBIs. And so that puts him at a pace uh, for 51 home runs and 125 RBIs. A nice, if he gets to 50 and 125, nice, nice uh, semi-round numbers. Um, and yeah, exactly. So Cody Bellinger, former Rookie of the Year. Right. I don't know if any of the Dodger rookies we're about to talk to will be in contention. Maybe Verdugo, but they certainly gave us a weekend to remember. Yeah, it, the weekend was insane. Like um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get in a second. We'll get to like the start of the weekend, but let's let's just go with like how those games ended. Like, um, but you're, you're right. Of the rookies, the if their Dodgers are going to have a Rookie of the Year this year, it's going to be Alex Verdugo. I mean, Pete Alonso already has like literally 27 home runs for the Mets, so like uh, it's an uphill battle, I think, for Verdugo. He's having a really good year. Like I think his WRC plus is 120. Like he's been like uh, he was going to be like a guy who got at bats this year. Like you know, he, he they'd mix him in when they could, and he's basically been a starter since AJ Pollock went down and produced like. M- probably more than what Pollock was projected to do. So like he's been great. Um, but yeah, this weekend was about the rookies. Um, they, it was like, so we'll just get, get off to the, the, the bat here. The Dodgers ended Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with a walk-off home run by a rookie before this weekend. No, no single team had ever done that two games in a row with rookies doing it. And the Dodgers did it three games in a row. So, like, and, like, the crazy part, too, like, well, the Dodgers did a little bit of roster shenanigans with, um, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, but, like, Matt Beatty, he was technically sent down um, on Thursday, but then because uh, they put someone on the DL Friday, he was back after just a day rather than having to wait the 10 days. So he won. So, like, um, when he, the day he's back, Beatty, uh, hits the home run, and then Will Smith started Sunday morning in Oklahoma City, and uh, takes a plane to Los Angeles, and then ends the game later. Um, it's like we talk about, like you know, with how the deep the Dodgers are, and like a lot of that depth was like it was going to be Alex Verdugo who's homegrown, but then like, they like have, David Freeze has been like one of the best hitters in the National League on their bench. He's on the uh, injured list now just like Corey Seager is. And like, it's just all these like rookies that are, are stepping up. Like um, we, we mentioned uh, Will Smith, uh, Verdugo, obviously. And, but Will Smith and um, Matt Beatty, they didn't, they started the year in triple a um, Kyle Garlick started the year in triple a. He's hitting well too. He hit two home runs last week. Didn't hit a walk-off. So it's, uh, it's kind of crazy, but like I looked at those three guys, Beatty, Garlick, Smith, all started the year in triple a, they're hitting 327, 361, 575, <laughs> seven home runs, seven doubles, and 23 RBIs in 119 plate appearances. So they played basically like like 
like five weeks worth of like a regulars playing time, maybe five, six weeks, and they're hitting like an all-star. So like, that's crazy. Like the Dodgers are getting crazy production. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just been amazing. But the, the thing I wanted to get to, so in order, Beatty was Friday night. Alex Verdugo hit the walk-off in extra innings on Saturday. And then Will Smith hit the, hit the walk-off on Sunday. It was a pinch hit job, um, a three-run shot in the ninth. And, but the most amazing thing, the reason why we're talking about this first is I didn't hear this till after the fact, but you texted me and said I had to listen to it. Charlie Steiner's call of, this, of that home run was the most Charlie Steiner call of all time. Um, uh, you linked me to there's a, a home run was yes. it in Coors? No, no. Um, there was a play in Toronto, Toronto. from like 2016, I think. It, yeah, maybe we'll link to that video because it is the it is the most. Yeah, okay, this I, is I, I take nice it back. I, second, after though. listening to, I think Alex um, <clears throat> Alex from uh, Dodgers Digest sent me that link via Twitter, and I, I listened to it, and it's like he got. He got everything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the ball, there was a fly ball to let like deep in the outfield with two outs in the ninth. And I think he called it like, um, off oh, the there's wall. a off, off the wall. And then, oh, wait, no, Jock Peterson caught it. <laughs> Kike was the one who caught it. And, uh, and then either way, the Dodgers win. This <laughs> is like, it was, man, like, so, like, okay, so Charlie Steiner gets a lot of shit, right? And, and rightfully so. He's, He's terrible at judging fly balls. Like, yes. and and then both ways we talked about this too. Like, uh, he'll not recognize a truly like hit home run. He'll, like he'll undersell it. That's what he did with the Will Smith home run. We'll get to it. But then he'll also like there, there's a high fly ball way back, and it's like a medium fly out. You know that kind of thing. Like if he was a cam, imagine if he was a cameraman. Like he would <laughs> your your eyes would like like bulge out of your head. It's crazy. But anyway, uh, this call was, uh, I don't have it pulled up. Yeah. And I, I don't think baseball would yell at us. So, yeah, I don't think we could use the audio, but I just, I did, I did transcribe it. Okay. I'll uh, let you do it then. Because like, I I can't, I can't do, I can't do the, the, the key here is like his mood. Like when it, (laughs) when it starts off, like he's talking about how, uh, what, what Will Smith was doing at triple a. And then it's like, uh, I'll just, okay. Right into the quote. He pops it up into center field. <laughs> like it was literally like that level of, of excitement. Like it, it was like, it was the can of There's two outs in the night. So this is like, okay, we're going to extra innings. Clearly this is an out. And then like you, you could hear the, the crowd sort of knew, right? Like I'll, I'll, in fairness to Steiner off the bat, this did not seem like a home run to me. And I think to a lot of people, um, but the ball did keep carrying. But if you heard the crowd, and watch the outfielders, which is, you know, what normal baseball watchers do, they can sort of tell by context clues that the ball's going to actually do something positive for the offense. <laughs> and, uh, like, the way, uh, as, like, I think it was um, Hampson, I believe, in center, uh, he was going, he was, like, near the wall, and then, like, as he's, like, starting to, like, jump at the wall, Steiner, like, you could tell he's, he like, oh, he realizes something. And he goes, now drifting on back. Like he didn't, the excitement wasn't there yet, but it was just like, like he's just it was sort of adding to it. And then the, the best part to me of the call was he he almost interrupts himself with his own surprise. Like, and he goes, that's more than a pop-up. It's a walk-off <laughs> home run. Like he's so surprised. And like, and then the, I mean, he kicks in. He look, he's a professional announcer. He has like a good like announcer cadence and all this. And, and then he, and he just, he adds, 
the ball kept carrying and carrying. <laughs> like it's like it's it's the perfect goal. I was laughing so hard. I think I've listened to it twenty times uh, since last night. Uh, it's really great. I, I'm linking to it. I tweeted it out. I'm linking to it in the um, uh, in the show notes. You have to listen to it. It's it's wonderful. Um, it's and and it's really great. So uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. My experience with the home run the will smith home run i was at a friend's house so i was following on game day and texting you mm-hmm. because I'd, i i was had been watching the game on mlb tv on my phone but we had to start playing board games so i kind of put it away but was still looking and i so i just see in play runs and any hard hit right hit um base hit score scores is the winning run but i was rooting so hard for it to be the home run just for the narrative, the story, uh, to really enjoy it. So when I saw the ch- scores change to six to three, I was very, very happy person. Yeah, D, and so it's first and second for for um, Smith. And do you want to get to one of Craig's questions because it kind of feeds right into this? Like they actually walked um, Russell Martin. Uh, with it was Beatty was on second after a wild pitch. He uh, he got on and then he. Uh, and then he, he advanced a second on a wild pitch, so it's runner on second, two outs. They walked Russell Martin to get to Will Smith, who was pitch hitting yeah, for the pitcher. So the second question is, uh, any man in baseball manager knows me more than me, but were you too surprised by the decision to walk Martin to pitch to Smith? So what's yes, really interesting, right, yeah. To, yeah. interesting to me is I've, I don't remember the exact situation. I think it was in the 10th, but I'm not positive. A very, very similar situation happened Saturday's game. Except that, for uh, yeah, same thing. S- uh, second base, first base was open. Uh, Martin was up. Um, it was a right-hander, and I think Freeze was the only batter left on the bench. And at that point, and um, they were in extras, and Baez was pitching. And I was surprised that they didn't do it then because I thought Baez could go two innings and in an extra innings game trying to burn the pitcher to get to the non-favorable platoon made sense. And in this case, Will Smith has been in the tar off the ball in AAA. It, more surprising to me. You do put the foot set, um, put out on because Beatty had stolen second. So the so I was a little less surprised than I think everyone else mm-hmm. was, but I still don't think I would have done it. Yeah, I think, so for me, like, I was surprised as well. I, I was surprised. But, like, so upon further review, I'm I'm still like still surprised a little bit by it. But if you look at it, like you're with Martin, he doesn't really hit for power anymore. He does have a couple home runs, but his he's slugging like in the threes and that's with hitting 260. So he has, I think he's, he's hitting 260 and slugging 350. So like there's no power there, um, but he gets on base. That's his thing. But with a runner on second, a single scores the run. So it's like likelihood of a single is Martin really a 260 hitter? Maybe not. More like a 240, 250 type hitter. So you're you're like you're saying who's the better, who has the better chance of getting a single if you're the Rockies? Like that's who you're, you know. And so they they figured Martin had a better shot of getting a, a hit in the situation than Smith. And I get it, Smith's a rookie, um, but still still a little surprising. But um, <laughs> certainly didn't expect to hit the home run. The thing that I was laughing at was so the game. We have to mention, we'll, we'll get to him in a second, but Chris Taylor hit a, a go-ahead three-run home run in the seventh. The Dodgers were down two to nothing. He had a pinch hit, um, three-run shot, and um, 
it put them up 3-2, and then it looked like they would win in that fashion. But then in the eighth, uh, the this Rockies... <laughs> oh, my God. The Rockies scored on... Uh, I forgot someone tweeted it. Um, I'll just say, so it, there was a, a ball into the corner. Um, I forgot who was running. I think it was Daniel Murphy. It was. And, um, and uh, uh, relay throw had him by 30 feet, maybe, at the plate. And it was, but the throw bounced to the home plate. But and Martin had, uh, he just he just whipped it like uh, it went right out of his glove, and he just dropped it. So like the easiest out at the plate you're gonna see, and he, he just plain dropped it. And like some people were text, they're um, tweeting at me like he totally grandalled that, you know that that kind of a thing. Um, it was really bad. And then, but I so I I was laughing because or not laughing, but I was just thinking like. Uh, at this point, they already had the two straight rookie walk-offs. So I, I think I tweeted out like right when that happened. Um, you can't, you, you can't have a third rookie walk-off if you're leading before the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> and with, with the with the guy pointing to his head uh, meme or whatever. So uh, and then it sure enough, Will Smith came through uh, 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 two innings later. So real, that was that was nuts. Real quick, you and I recorded late on last week on Monday. Yeah, and one thing we talked about a little bit on the episode, and a little bit more after we stopped recording, was just how bad Chris Taylor looked. Yes, since yeah, that I'll, recording, I'm look six games, a batting mm-hmm. average of 500. Yep, ten and, for twenty. <laughs> an OPS of one point five nine two, three home runs, ten RBIs. <laughs> I looked. I looked at the numbers. So yeah, he was. So we talked about on last Monday's podcast. We recorded during the game, but I didn't. We didn't have the stats like. For that game, but mm-hmm. he was 0 for 4 Monday. So yep. whatever we we said last week, it consider it slightly worse. Uh, but I remember at the time, he uh, really bad offensive numbers. And then I looked in, I was like, maybe what about his batted ball? I was trying to think like, uh, how is it like um, in terms of like maybe he's getting unlucky. Like Justin Turner was that way earlier in the year. He was actually hitting the ball pretty hard, but not getting a lot of results. And the results sort of came after that. But man, Taylor was like all like everything was like bottom three percent, bottom five percent. So it was like in, in average um, exit velocity, uh, really low expected batting average. So I looked up after so after Monday's game, after the 0 for four, he was 218, 288, 383. His WRC plus was 77. The 100 is average. Anything below is below average. That's really bad. Um, and then. After Sunday's game, after so he was ten for twenty with three home runs, two doubles, eleven RBIs. Uh, one of the guys I work with, uh, Alex Rubenstein at SB Nation, he he came up with this stat and I didn't realize it. Um, before last week, uh, Chris Taylor had one three-run home run in his career. Uh, he hit a bunch of grand slams, but he just had one three-run home run, and he hit two last week. So um, kind of crazy. But so at after Sunday. He is now hitting 245, 315, 447, and 99 wins created plus. <laughs> uh, 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 so, a way to runs created plus. Excuse it's me. Unreal. Um, that is. So he's basically games. an average, yeah. uh, an average hitter with defensive versatility who plays short. So, like, he's he's back to like Chris Taylor, you know, like, and, uh, and that's in six days. He raised his OPS 91 points in six days. That seems crazy. Um. I was going to go back like the, so with Smith now, right. The Dodgers have three catchers. Um, 
and I was looking at this. We, we've talked about this. Like Smith, Smith was was like red hot. Like before, when, when the Dodgers sent him down, you know, um, he he just kept hitting in in AAA. He had uh, five straight games with a home run. He he was uh, he homered in six out of seven games before he was called up. So now it's now it's technically seven out of eight. Um, but like I was looking at the numbers for June and and Barnes and Martin. Martin has been hitting a little more than Barnes. Barnes was really slumping. Even Barnes did a, a home run this week. That the offense was really like humming uh, this whole week when they when they won six straight. Um, but for June, uh, just Barnes and Martin combined are 239, 301, 313. So they really haven't been getting anything out of their catchers. Like um, so, the one thing that Smith does, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to take a ton of time at catcher. I think it's literally with Freeze on the shelf, they needed another right-handed bat. And I think Dave Roberts mentioned something Sunday. I think he said it's going to free up the right-handed pinch hitters. Uh, and what we saw on Sunday is that I, that means now he's more likely to pinch hit for Barnes or Martin, given who, given who he has left on the bench. Like yesterday, he pinch hit for uh, Barnes uh, in the seventh. Uh, with Taylor, and then Taylor hit the three-run home run on the first pitch, so paid immediate dividends. Um, you know, usually with the two catcher setup, there you're a little less likely to pinch hit for your catcher. Um, the, the managers are always leery about like wanting to, you know, you know, wanting to lose their catcher for extra innings. The Dodgers are a little more aggressive in that, but they just don't pinch hit a ton for the catchers. But I think they're more likely to now. And then uh, I think Roberts mentioned too. Uh, Barnes could play some second this week. Martin could play some third. So they could get some real Frankenstein stuff going on. Uh, we'll see. They go to course. It's going to get weird. I doubt. I don't know if they'll play them there, but uh, they, they, uh, Arizona first. But yeah, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a weird, uh, weird week. I have a prediction question for you. Yes. Who's the starting catch for the Dodgers in the first game of the playoffs? Knocking on wood. Hmm. I'm assuming they're not playing a 13-game lead. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's not the play-in game for the wild card. Uh, let's say I think it's still going to be – I think it's going to be Austin Barnes. Okay. Is Will Smith on the playoff roster? Mm. Man. So you got to figure – like so. See, this is the, a, the it, Eric Steven curse I'm trying to – Right, reverse jinx. Where no chance. Put, yeah, Seager yeah, wouldn't get know, called uh, up. Puig wouldn't get called up. Done it before. I, th- I think. Um, so the in a perfect world, you know, AJ Pollock's back. David Freeze is back, and that kind of like right, literally right now, we just talked about Matt Beatty, Kyle Garlic, and Will Smith are on the roster. So, like um, that, two of those guys are going to be gone with. With Pollock and Freeze, and then and Seager uh, back, so basically all three of those guys are gone. If those guys are back, so now other people can get hurt, obviously. So I, I don't, I, I you know who knows, man. This uh, reminds me of the situation yeah. where th- this team will really, especially if they have like they do this season than they did in 2017, they have a comfortable lead. They're going to let the slumping veterans work things yeah. out, get things going. But when it comes to the playoffs, they seem to really stick to what they think is the best. We saw this when Austin Bard started starting a lot of the games in the playoffs over the entrenched grand draw. And right. I think 
I think I don't know if we're sure we'll get there, but I could definitely see a situation where Will Smith just proves he's a more valuable asset than Austin Barnes and somehow makes that happen. I don't I know how exactly. So, but yeah. I think it happens. I could see that. So the problem is you have two situations. So Barnes took over in the playoffs in 2017. Wait, was it 17? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when, and then midway through 2018 playoffs, uh, one in 2017, Grandal had his like usual sort of, injury um, sort of slump at the end of the year where he was almost unplayable, how bad he was hitting. Uh, so I think Barnes has to get to that level to do that or um, just be atrocious behind the plate like Grandall was in the playoffs last year uh, where he just he couldn't, he just could not catch the ball. It was crazy. Um, so they like had to make a change. I Barnes is like, you know, still, fine defensively same with martin actually so i think they're fine with what they're getting in like game calling and framing in in just about everything yeah, no, you I get could, from catcher. so I, I think that's why so it, it would really have to be it really have to go downhill now we talked about this and i i'm sure we'll get to this a little later about if they were to acquire a big name and really the only big type of name that i think would be out there is like a starting pitcher type um then I think you could see a situation where a team wants like a, a major league catcher back or, or something like that. So maybe, maybe a Austin Barnes is included in that type of a trade. I keep throwing this out there. I, I have no idea. Like <laughs> they're even talking, but like, let's say the Mets want a catcher for when they, as part of the Noah, Noah Syndergaard package. Right. So you send Barnes in as part of that deal, not that he's headlining the deal, but like just as to give them a major league catcher. And then you're, you're, you sort of roll with, Martin and Smith at that point with the Dodgers. So I think that's the, more the scenario where Will Smith gets his, his chance. Um, but uh, otherwise, I think they're going to stick with Barnes and Martin. And we have more from this week to talk about, but we need to talk about the All-Stars first. But I think we need a quick ad break before we do that. You ready? Sure. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, the All-Star Game... I guess the All-Star game itself isn't different this year, but how players get on it sure as heck is confusing me, Eric. Can you can you demystify this for me? Yeah, it's it's always weird because um, so the All-Star game is two weeks away. Uh, it, it's on July 9th oh in Cleveland. Gosh. Right, right. It doesn't <laughs> seem like that. It's how how quickly the season goes by. Um, but so there's always a thing where so the general breakdown is fans elect starting the starting position players. Um, the managers and the commissioner's office. It used to be the manager. Now it's technically the commissioner has final say over this stuff, but it's like usually like a um, concentrated effort, like between the parties. So, um, but they select the reserves and then, I mean, I'm sorry, the the players get their say as well. Uh, But then the, and then the the commissioner's office selects the reserves, but there's, there's always controversy like, Oh, like, you know, 
Dave Roberts or Bruce Bochy or something, they screwed my player. They should have. But a lot of this is like every everyone has to have a, a, yeah. a every team has to have a player, and also the players sometimes like they vote weird. Um, fans <laughs> vote weird too. Like, but I, I'm generally fine with it. It's it's usually all right. But like, um, there is, so it's a long process. But anyway, the 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 change this year is instead of like two uh, one series of just a simple like fan vote for a set amount of time, then the winners are the starters this year. They, they switched it up. I think the popularity of the final vote is sort of what drove this where the, the final, the final all-star roster spot is five guys for each league. And then there's a, it's a, just a crazy online campaign. We've seen teams like they did this with Justin Turner a couple years ago where the Dodgers like set aside an area at Dodger stadium with just full of computers and had volunteers like voting like 24 seven. Um, I think we're going to see that this week because what they did they changed the 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 new sort of system is now a, a primary voting system and then a, uh, a starter's election. So the first round of fan voting is already over, and they selected the top three vote getters at every position, and for the outfielders, the top nine. Um, those players won the quote unquote won the primary, and the two Dodgers affected here, uh, the only two Dodgers that were in their top spots were. Cody Bellinger, who was actually the top vote getter overall in baseball, he's been he's had such a great year and like um, even more votes than Christian Yelich. And then I think Mike Trout was the only other to get over three million. So those were the top three like overall vote getters. But um, and then the other one, um, other Dodger that's relevant here is is Jock Peterson, who um, was I'm looking this up. He was he was ninth among uh, National League outfielders. So the thing now all these new players like the vote starts over um and so none of the votes they previously got count but i think it's a pretty good indication of how it's going to go the it's going to be this weirdly concentrated um it's it's technically 28 hours it starts on um it starts on wednesday uh nine o'clock pacific 12 eastern and it goes for 28 hours till Thursday at um, one o'clock Pacific, four Eastern. So it's it's like MLB.com, um, and then also there, there was something. Oh, there's so I, I'm just going to read this from the MLB release to uh, sort of give you an idea of how convoluted this is. During this second phase of voting, in which fans can vote once on MLB platforms and submit up to 17 unique player votes on Google. <laughs> so I was reading this. It's like, um, I think the 17 is not like you can't vote for like Cody Bellinger 17 times. It's the 17 is that um, there's eight position players in the National League and then nine in the American League because they have a DH. So I think that's what it is. So it's, it's not like the final vote where it was literally like you could just uh, have a hashtag of like Turner or so, or whatever it was like, uh, they, they always have the dumb weird hashtags that, um, uh, where teams, uh, I hate that part about the final vote where like a national league team and an American league team would team up and then no, it was, great. It was the Royals yeah. and the Dodgers for me. It was perfect. So, yeah. So like that, it's not going to be like that. So there's not going to be a, a, a series of Twitter hashtags or anything, but it's going to be like, um, a single 28 hour blitz, where you can only vote once. <laughs> so, uh, and then whatever on, on Google. But um, 
so then the starters are announced. They're announced on Thursday, and then um, by Sunday, the rest of the teams will be announced. So the total breakdown is 32 players total on each team, uh, 20 position players, 12 pitchers. So it's pretty much the same. Um, so, you know, Bellinger's going to start. I don't think that's that's much, very much in question. It will be shocking if he doesn't win one of the starting spots in the National League outfield. But he's going to be the only one position player-wise. The, the manager technically chooses the uh, starting pitcher from among the, the players on his roster. And, like, it'd be hard-pressed to not have Hyunjin Ryu start. His ERA right now, he actually it actually ballooned on uh, Saturday. He gave up three runs. Only one of them were earned. Um, and his, his ERA ballooned all the way from 126 to 127. So... If you if you can't start the All Star game with an ERA that low, like what the hell is going on with your manager as your as your All Star <laughs> manager? Like that's he's starting that game, and they even like and that, this wasn't the reason they did it, but they did it to give extra rest. They they slotted in um, Urias uh, for a start last week, but it, it moved your uh, moved Ryu away from the Sunday game before um, the All Star game. If you pitch. On Sunday, you're ineligible to pitch in the All-Star game. So uh, the weird thing now, uh, and uh, we'll get to it in a second, but uh, one of the – I think Walker Bueller is probably the the most deserving other Dodger starter uh, to get there. You can make an argument that Clayton Kershaw would, uh, you know, on, on like past history. He's still really good this year, a sub-3 ERA. Um, but like uh, – I think of, of those two, I think Walker Bueller probably deserves it more, but we'll see. Um, but now the way the rotation sets up the rest of these two weeks before the All-Star break, Bueller was originally like slotted into that Sunday slot after Ryu, after they, you know, the maneuver uh, happened. But now I think it's going to be where Bueller doesn't even pitch that Sunday. So I think he'll be eligible too. Um, and then uh, do you, I, I have some position players thoughts as well. Do you, do you have any, like for sure all-stars that you think uh, on the Dodgers? It's one of the things where there's a number of players on the Dodgers who sort of in a vacuum, oh, that, you know, that performance is an all-star right. worthy performance, but then you have to look at the rest of the National League and there's a lot of stiff competition. The National League is really good this year. Yeah. Oh, and it's weird. Like I was looking at this, there, there's, it's good, but also like it's very concentrated. Mm, like right mm. right now, there's only seven teams with winning records, <laughs> yeah. and, and like three of them are like three games over or less. So like, and only six teams make the playoffs. So, uh, but you're right. Like, uh, just looking like I for me, like um, Max Muncie is is probably the most deserving non Bellinger. Like Corey Seager, if he if he didn't get hurt, he was like sort of making his way up that sort of shortstop leaderboard, but like just in the national league, um, you, you basically have, he, he's fighting against, he's not one of the, the starter finalists, but you, you have Josh Bell, Freddie Freeman, uh, Pete Alonzo at first, like, and Anthony Rizzo, like, like all those guys are, have like comparable numbers. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be tough for months to make, he, he, he gets points on, versatility he's played second and third as well and like uh his numbers do muncie's numbers do hold up but and and like i said if if dave roberts has, has any sway he might be able to get him on there but we'll see uh but i think uh, of those guys i i would say 
if I had to pick, it's like Jansen has, I mean, he has the, like, he's more of the star of, you know, the bullpen, but I don't know if his numbers have been good enough. Maybe the, maybe the players are vote for him. Who knows? But um, I think, I think it's going to be, you know, Bellinger and Ryu start the game. And then they have Bueller and Muncie as reserves, but I'm uh, not like terribly like convinced of, of the rest. <laughs> Well, you keep talking about how adamant you are, how deserving Walker Buell is. Uh, we saw no better example of that than this past weekend. The fact that this game is getting pushed to, we're at like the 33-minute, 35-minute mark uh, right. on, on this recording, uh, that the 16, 16 strikeout, no walk, nine-inning masterpiece is kind of almost an afterthought, is just is just unreal. Right. Here's how good that game was. Uh, so... You know Walker Bueller, right? He's he's young. He's he doesn't turn 25 until I think next month. Uh, I, I forget when his actual birthday is, but um, he his he had a he was he pitched the first six innings of a no hitter last year. He he had a scoreless game in a play in or um, game 163 to win the division. He had seven scoreless innings in a dominant World Series start. Um, He's had he had seven starts this season where he gave up less than the two runs he gave up on Friday night, but still, Friday night for me was the Walker Bueller game, or it's a, you might even say the Walker F Bueller game because mm. he was so good. Like um, he was dominant. Like he the two the two runs he gave up were solo shots to Nolan Arenado and a white hot Charlie Blackman, uh, and so like he was mowing guys down in that game and he just kept getting better. And like, you know, we see a lot with like high strikeout games, a lot of pitch counts get run up. He was like cruising with high strikeouts. Like he was just throwing strike after strike. Uh, he, he walked zero. Uh, he ended up striking out 16. He's the first Dodgers pitcher ever to strike out 16 and walk zero. Uh, the first Dodger pitcher to strike, strike out 16 in any game since Hideo Nomo in 1996. Nomo had 17 in that game. Uh, it was the first complete game of his career. And I think the thing that stood out to me was, like, we know the Dodger bullpen has, like, generally been struggling this year. They've actually been more, a little better the last couple weeks. But, like, I think in that game, I don't – there wasn't, like, much of a question at all that Bueller was going to bat. I mean, was going to – um I was surprised. <laughs> you really? Okay. In, was, in at, my mind, was he at 99? Yeah, something like that. Uh, <laughs> he finished with 113 pitches. So – like, you know, I think very manageable. I, you're right. Though. I mean, like, look, Dave Roberts has – he's pulled um, Ross Stripling from a no-hitter in the eighth. He pulled Rich Hill from a perfect game in the eighth. Dodgers um, had an 11-game lead in the division. Like, Right. I would say the I, way – I didn't mind the decision, mind you. I, right. to, to be clear, I don't want to get yelled at on Twitter. No, but no, for I sure. I just was thought – very Dave Roberts, good job. That was 99 pitches. Uh, you're done. Yeah. We're going to throw – you know, Pedro or Kenley out there and get the win, you know, you don't get the win, but I, yeah. Cause it was two, two at the time. I think he was so dominant though. It was like, yeah, you, you just got to let him run. And like he did, he gave up a single, a one out single in the ninth to Blackman Blackman as at the end of game Friday, he had an 11 game inning streak where he was, he was 28 for 56. <laughs> he hit 500 with eight home runs and like uh, five doubles and a triple. So he was like as hot as you could possibly be. And 
So to get have him and get two hits, no big deal. But he struck out three in the ninth. That was sort of rare. I wanted to see, like, I know this old story, like, uh, Sandy Koufax struck out the last six batters of his perfect game. Famously, I think Johnny Roseboro went to him either in the seventh or the eighth. And um, Koufax said, like, I can't throw my curve. My my el- my arm's killing me. And and John Roseboro just turned to Sandy and goes, let's just go with the heat, babe. And uh, he goes fastball the rest of the game. And he struck out the last six batters. So, um, so it's. I looked it up. I man, this took forever on Saturday. Um, went through like every complete game uh, game log for the Dodgers since they moved to LA. But um, 17 different times a pitcher has um, Dodgers pitcher, LA Dodgers pitcher has struck out a starting pitcher struck out three in the ninth. Um, the Kershaw did it twice. Um, Kevin Brown did it before that in the last like 30 years or 35 years or something. I think Fernando was the only other one in like sometime in the eighties. So um, very rare for that to happen. It was really good. Um, But like, look, Ryu has been awesome this year. He just came off like a crazy May where he gave up three runs all month. So far, Walker Bueller has given up three runs all June. Uh, He's walked uh, one batter this month, 42 strikeouts and 31 innings. Um, you know, we talked, he had a, like a abbreviated spring training cause he was sort of dealing with some, like a dead arm and uh, dealing with stuff. So he got off to sort of a rocky start to the, the regular season. And so the sort of like the, the running like joke was April was his spring training, you know, that kind of thing. If you, if you treat that as his sort of spring training since, since the beginning of May, uh, 189 ERA and nine starts, 76 strikeouts, four walks for Walker Bueller. So, like, he has been just mowing guys down. He, we saw this in the second half last year. He was the Dodgers' best pitcher. Um, so he's kind of doing that again, and it was just fantastic. And then um, he – so he struck out the three in the ninth, the top of the ninth, so it's still 2-2. And the Dodgers still had to win that game to get him the win. And then Matt, so Matt Beatty delivered the two-run shot for the walk-off. And it, that – I mean, it, it was nice that it ended that way for Bueller. Um, but yeah, it was just what a what a fantastic game that was. You mentioned the bullpen struggling, which I think has been the sort of one knock on the Dodgers basically the entire season, even if they've looked a little bit better um, over the last month or so. But not only was the bullpen, you know, is kind of shaky. The other big reason why that Walker Bueller game was so important is in this dominant week this you know this is the week the Dodgers really in all the power rankings have firmly been number one over the Astros granted a lot of that had to do with how bad the Astros were but still a very dominant week for the Dodgers in which they had two bullpen games oh right yeah and like and only <laughs> sure. one, only one yeah only one of those was planned like yeah like so uh like the they the reason they were they were they had like eighteen they had eighteen games in a row eighteen days uh, eighteen games in eighteen days so they wanted to break up the um, uh, the starters a little bit to give them an extra day so they slotted in they planned to start in Urias uh, Julio Urias on Thursday so they were already sort of planning for that with a Ross Stripling sort of piggyback type of a thing um, and then on Wednesday Rich Hill goes out and like he pitched a scoreless first. Then he starts the second inning, like throws a curveball during warmups, and it's like, nope, I'm done. <clears throat> Walked off the mound. <clears throat> it was weird because the Dodgers um, first put out the word that Rich Hill had left forearm tightness, 
And then it was one of those things, it was almost like you could tell like someone was uncomfortable with how that got out there because like, that's always like the red flag. Like that eventually means you tore your UCL and you have to have Tommy John surgery. So that's what everyone's sort of thinking about. Um, But then within like an inning or two, the Dodgers modified it to left forearm discomfort to like sort of soften the, (laughs) Oh, that's fine. Yeah. I'm sure he's fine. Uh, they, they, so he had the MRI the next day. It actually showed a, a flexor strain of the tendon. So <clears throat> all things considered, sort of good, but like still significant. Like he he didn't. I guess the MRI showed no you no UCL damage, so he doesn't have to have Tommy John surgery. And he's like 39, so it's one of those like, do you? I mean, he might still have it, but like, do you retire at that point, or do you? Because he's going to be a free agent. Like, what what do you do? But it's not there yet. Um, he's not even going to pick up a ball for three to four weeks. So he's not even going to like throw until after the all-star break. So that uh, factor in rehab after that, there's no way he's pitching before August. So he's basically out two months. Um, so they, they had sort of have to like fill in. I, but it was funny. I was just sort of looking at the, the Dodgers rotation has been ridiculous this year. We, I know we've talked about this before, but like, um, just if you just go to the baseball reference page, right? Like, and just look, look at there's there's obviously advanced numbers things like that, but just look at the ERAs. Like, um, uh, Ryu's one twenty seven, Kershaw's two ninety six, Bueller's two eighty five, Rich Hill was two fifty five before he got hurt. Kenta Maeda is like the black sheep of the rotation. He's three seventy six, and he went seven strong in on Sunday. Like, um, and then the the extra guys they have Ross Stripling three oh eight, Urias two eighty four. Those are the guys with the top seven uh, inning totals on the Dodgers. So, like, the pitching staff has been ridiculously good. Um, you have to go to their 10th most innings pitch this year to find someone with an ERA that starts with a four. That's Yimmy Garcia, if you were wondering, 418 in 28 innings. So, um, Joe Kelly, in case you were wondering, is 12th in innings. So, you have to go pretty far down. Um, but, yeah, it's just been ridiculous. So, you figure uh, – the the Dodgers from a short-term standpoint this week, they haven't actually said who's going to fill in for Hill on Tuesday, which is when his sort of his start is coming up, but it's going to be one of Stripling or Urias. Now the, the, the thing here that's sort of also interesting, they haven't announced this yet. I'm, by the time this podcast comes out, I'm sure it'll be announced or we'll have a better idea. Um, they actually listed Wednesday starters TBD as well. And if they just stuck to the rotation, it would be Walker Bueller. But you can understand, like, they he just pitched, like, the first nine-inning game of his career. They they always uh, lean toward extra rest when they possibly can. They have a 13-game lead in the division. They're going to play it ultra safe. So I think what they're going to do is gonna they're going to have two sort of fill-in starts in Arizona. And then we talked about this a little bit with the All-Star stuff. So the way if that pushes Bueller to Thursday, they have an off day next week. So he would basically pitch Thursday and then Wednesday before the all-star break and then be done until after the all-star break. So that opens him up to pitch in the all-star game and still be like fully fine after the break. And he gets a good, good amount of rest. Um, same sort of same with Ryu. So it's, it's good for them, but uh, now it's just a matter of who pitches those games. Do they go? Uh, I guess it depends on bullpen use, uh, but do they go, um, you know, stripling one game, Urias the other, or I guess the other sort of hot rumor out there is that Tony Gonsolin, 
who's been pitching very well with um, uh, the with Triple A. Like uh, he could be called up. Like they would need a clear forty man spot, but that's like pretty easy to do. He's got he's got a two seventy seven ERA um, with uh, Oklahoma City and eight starts. Uh, actually, he's been they were sort of slow playing him for a little bit, but thirty one strikeouts in twenty six innings. We'll see. We'll see if he gets one of those spot starts. Who knows? But it's going to be an interesting week. Um, we talked about the Frankenstein stuff with uh, Martin at third and Barnes at second. Like, oh, and oh, I almost forgot. Jock Peterson played first. He, Jock Peterson's a first baseman now. Uh, like well, that's how he can get into the All Star game. Right. Exactly. So, Sorry, and, man, was it an was it an adventure? Uh, he had a couple pop ups Sunday that were like two foul pops in the same inning that were like. My God, uh, those are adventures. But uh, he had a, a play where he dropped a, a short out uh, at first that would have been um, would have been in the end, and they ended up giving up a run after that. But what I mean, growing pains at first. But I mean, that's sort of uh, the thing there. When, when Pollock comes back, it allows Verdugo to play more in the outfield um, and allows them to maneuver around a little more. So I think that's why they're doing it and. They, he, they, he needs to get some practice there. And guess what? When you have a 13-game lead in the division, you get you have you have room to sort of do this kind of stuff. So uh, it's going to be – we'll see. And so they, they have room to, you know, give the rotation a rest, bring up a, some other rookie. If, if this season's any um, indication, the rookie's probably going to do okay when he comes in. I was going to so, say, like, I realize these are going to be away <clears throat> games, but a, more, a rookie starter uh, is another opportunity for a, at least a go-ahead home run from another different oh. rookie. Yeah, I saw someone, I forgot who tweeted this, but it said, man, it's unfortunate the Dodgers can't get a fourth straight rookie walk-off on Monday. <laughs> it's because they're playing on the road, but we'll see. You ready for some questions? I am. Actually, uh, before we get to that, I just, I, I throw, I'm throwing this in late, only because I was looking at this up this morning. Uh, Will Smith, uh, his home run Sunday, walk-off home run, was his second walk-off of the year. The last Dodger rookie to have two walk-off home runs in a season. I don't know if you saw my tweet or not, so I will allow you to the chance to answer this. I'll let you do it. I saw it. I'd be cheating. <clears throat> okay, so it's Trace Thompson. Um, the he's also the last Dodger of any experience to do that. Like, um, so uh, I tweeted out a list. Andre Ethier had <clears throat> had a crazy year in 2009. He had four walk-off home runs. He had six walk-off hits, but that tied a major league record, the four home runs. But um, Trace Thompson, he's now in the AAA in the Cleveland system. He, he played for the Dodgers in 2016, 2017, and then he really got, got hurt by a back injury that sort of curtailed everything. But the reason I wanted to bring up Trace Thompson was because during the NBA Finals, uh, his brother Clay Thompson, um, there was a period where uh, he was asked about you know, a lot of people like doubting or questioning Kevin Durant and the quote, uh, Ann Killian tweeted this out. I think it was at one of the media scrums, but Clay Thompson said, that's just the nature of the game, whether KD, Muhammad Ali, LeBron, Michael, who's a baseball player, question mark, all are questioned. Now, Clay Thompson has a brother who's a major league baseball player. <laughs> And he could not come up with a baseball player off the top of his head. Now, I realize we're just having fun here. He was clearly listing, like, all-time greats um, in, in sports. But I just thought it was funny that his his go-to for a baseball player was, 
who's a baseball player when <laughs> when he's one of the like few guys on earth who has like family who's actually playing in the majors i guess in the minors this year but who who's a major league caliber player so i just thought that was a funny tweet all right now are you ready fine we can get the that's becoming a regular segment is the like last minute bit of uh yeah eric news before we do questions i'm i'm fine with it i'm a-okay with it it, it just means I, I either did extra research or something popped up in my head at the very last second <laughs> after we already planned it. So who knows? So we have one question before we get to Craig's questions, of which we've already answered one. Uh, Jack wants to know, are you in or out on free Kazowski for 2019? So I, look, we just talked about how all these rookies have been like contributing to the Dodgers. So I'm not going to put it past them to like call up another rookie uh, Marshall Kosowski, uh, he was drafted by the Dodgers in 2017 at Texas A&M. He is 24. Um, he's pitching in double-A Tulsa. So he actually has been really good, 222 ERA. He has 41 strikeouts in 24 and a third innings, but also 14 walks. So there's a little bit of command to go with the um, the power. But it's almost a 40% strikeout rate, so that's really good. Uh I don't. I'm not on free Kosowski necessarily. Um, I don't think they need to add him to the 40 men anytime soon. So <clears throat> there's no real reason to rush. And they do have a lot of as, as as much as they need bullpen help. I don't think throwing someone directly from Double A into the majors, especially given the the amount of walks he's done, he's given up, uh, is that would is that pressing? Like they don't have to do it right now. That said, impressive arm. Not putting it past them. So. We'll see. He hasn't allowed a home run this year, 104 batters face, so that's always good. But uh, I think pump the brakes a little bit on that. Like they still have like a guy like JT Chigua who's up in the bullpen now, but and like, but he, I'd rather I'd rather see him get innings, you know, more innings than calling up like Kosowski. All right, Craig leads off with a food question. Summer is here. You're making a fresh fruit salad. What fruits are must-haves in your creation? Okay, so we're gonna earn the explicit tag this week because oh, I saw no. a tweet. I saw a tweet before I saw this question. Um, it was last week. I forgot who tweeted, and I can't find it. But it, the gist of the tweet was, "Man, honeydews can fuck off." <laughs> so uh, I do not. I, I don't mind honeydews, but if I'm making fruit salad, it, it probably doesn't have honeydew. You gotta have um, a cantaloupe in there. Uh, watermelon works. Um, pineapple, of course. Yeah, pineapples, pick one. Strawberry. Um, grapes are always a go-to. Um, I'm a red or a green. I'm, I'm indiscriminate on grapes. Uh, I'm trying to think. I guess bananas, maybe. I, I'm, I love bananas, uh, I, but I don't know if I have to actually add them to the fruit salad. They're, they're, I mean, they're fine. So I think the more the, more the merrier. If you, Look, if you... If your if your last name's Rockefeller and you want to get a mango or a kiwi and add in there, sure, that's always good. <laughs> Mangoes uh, are my my second pick after pineapple, and yeah, they're they're great, uh, worth it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Strawberries are my. I, I keep it simple. Give me three or four fruits, and I'm I'm gonna do three: mango, yeah. pineapple, and strawberries. Done. Would, would you? Uh, are you are you pro honeydew or anti honeydew? I, I generally outside of. Uh, mangoes. I'm not a fan of melons in generally. So I see. Yeah. Hashtag honey don't. <laughs> uh, so we already answered Craig's second question, but uh, as a fill-in, I have a question from Eric Steven. 
Okay. What do Scott Van Slyke and Ken John have in common? Oh, okay, yeah. This came up because uh, after we recorded last week, um, randomly... You texted um, me this, so I, just to be clear how you're I figured. I figured I might as well talk about it on the podcast. So randomly was looking up uh, something on the Twitter app on my phone, <clears throat> somehow stumbled across some tweet from a comedian who was linking to something from that Ken Jeong... Um, uh tweeted i tried to tweet on it said you are blocked from seeing ken jong's tweets <laughs> and i was like what <laughs> and so my immediate reaction is like i i don't really know of anyone else who blocked me other than scott van slyke which is was the weirdest because like i you know of all the players i've like covered like he was one of the nicest like ever we had a good relationship when he was with the dodgers we never like got into it or anything always like friendly we talk to each other just casually like in the clubhouse or whatever we're not like friends by any means but like he he had he was following me on twitter even and i must have tweeted something that he just didn't take the right way or whatever but i'm blocked i've been blocked for a few years from seeing scott van slyke's tweets i don't know how long i've been blocked from dr ken but i was looking back i was like why why would he block me that's so weird like i don't i'm, I'm not like famous i don't have a thing but i was looking up um during the 2013, this had to be the NL, NLCS. Um, I just, I tweeted out, I'm just going to quote myself here. Um, this was at a game at Dodger Stadium. Uh, Sad that Dodger Stadium video board didn't identify Ken Jeong, parentheses, attempting to pump up the crowd as the second worst part of community. <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe he may have searched, maybe he searched his name at some point, but this was 2013. But, I mean, I just didn't notice. Maybe he's blocked me that whole time. Uh, but I, I just thought it was funny. Uh, like, it, I don't care, like, either way. But I was just like, oh, man, I didn't, you know, I, I, I want people to like me. I like uh, you, Eric. Yeah, thanks. And you, you haven't blocked me on Twitter yet. <laughs> don't think so. <laughs> so yeah. You want me to? No. Having had to go back to research walk-offs this weekend, what are your memories of the recent, Dod of recent Dodgers to hit them? And he brings up, as you did, Andre Ethier's 2009, the captain comeback year. Yeah, Ethier was great in 2009. The, the fact that I believe um, we hit, I, I forget if, I think this was in the True Blue LA comments um, where his, his nickname was Andre. It could have been Dodger Thoughts, honestly, but since it was 2009, I think it was True Blue LA, but not sure. But like he was Andre Ethier that year. I thought that was a fun sort of nickname. Um, the uh, one of the ones that stand out to me was I think Matt Kemp in 2011. He had three walk-off home runs that year, but there was one I think it was against the Cardinals, and I think Ryan Franklin was the pitcher, and it was one of those where like I think they were down. If I'm not mistaken, I could look this up, and but I like to just go off the cuff on this one since I just thought of it. But um, the, there were a couple runners on base, or maybe just one. And they they decided to pitch to Matt Kemp, who that year almost won the Triple Crown. He almost went 40-40. Um, and Vince Scully's call after the home run was like, the Cardinals uh, decided to pitch to the one man who could beat them, and he did. <laughs> it was like a classic, like great little Vin, like sum it all up in one sentence at the end. Um, so that was pretty neat. Um, man, I, I don't know. I mean, the Max Muncie World Series, that's obviously great. And the Justin Turner in the NLCS was cool. 
but like in terms of regular season ones, those, those are probably the ones that stood out to me. What's really funny is when I read this question immediately, the one I was going to bring up was Juan Uribe's home run, which was not a walk-off home run. It's just in, in my head it is. But oh, the, the one that is special to my heart, because I was there at the Juan Uribe game, I was there for Bobble Slam, two very famous home runs, neither of which yeah. were walk-offs. But, they should have been. Um, so I, I'm tr- The only walk-off home run I can distinctly remember I was in attendance for was what a wonderful game that I'm glad I got to attend. It was in 2006. Jason mm-hmm. Schmidt versus Greg Maddox. Oh, I, I I can already tell you that I can tell you the pitcher who gave it up. Uh, who was it? Vinny Chulk. Well done. I did not. I thought you were going to screw it up. Good job. No. Do you, can you? Uh, Greg Maddox's game score was 82. He yep. went eight. Eight innings, sixty-eight uh, pitches. If I remember yeah, that. you are you are correct. Yeah. What a just a beautiful game, uh, Takashi Saito with the win, uh, and then uh-huh. yeah, it was a zero-zero game in the tenth, and Russell Martin walked it off first batter. We, that, that, we need to do. Um, I need to do Dodgers rerun on Takashi Saito. He was awesome. Yeah, like he oh, was so great. One of my he favorites. Had, he had no. The Dodgers had no right to expect to have a, any any closer of any merit after they had Eric Gagne. And then Takashi Saito stepped in and was like, well, close enough. You know, like, <laughs> he was really good. But, like, um, just thinking about that, that Sunday night game was so good. The Maddox-Jason um, Schmidt game. Look, sure, it led to Jason Schmidt getting $47 million for the Dodgers with a frayed <laughs> shoulder, but whatever. But, like, uh, that that game itself was just insane. Um, and I don't remember the, game, the time of game on that, but it had to be short. But that reminds Two me. Two hours, 27 uh, minutes. Have it pulled so up. So the Walker F. Bueller game Friday night. And it, it, this was one I didn't realize till after because the game was so intense and awesome. Like, you don't, no one cares about the time when the game's good, right? Like, um, and so once the game was over, two hours, 12 minutes Friday night. Wow. Uh, it was Mark, German Marquez or Herman Marquez. Um, he went eight. Like, it's the only game this year that both pitchers have gone eight. Plus, so uh, it was a very good game, very awesome, and very short. Um, so, like, you just don't see that. <clears throat> Already answered Craig's fourth question. He wanted to know if there's any other Dodgers we could make uh, an all-star case for, uh, which we did. Oh, yeah. you, you you tried hard for Max Muncy. We'll hope. Yeah, I think so. Last question. Here's a chance to revise or confirm your predictions for the Dodgers record and lead at the all-star break. Nine to uh, going nine four over the last thirteen game gets them to sixty three and twenty nine, which would tie them for the two thousand seventeen team for the best mark at ninety two games. So which if I you remember th- right, I don't remember right. What you? So I I said eighteen and eight. They so they've already gone nine and four. They need to go nine and four again. That would put them at the sixty three and twenty nine. You said nineteen and seven. And so I said sixty four. So, yeah. So, so I, I'm winning this bet. This is great. I think so. I mean, you could stick with it. I mean, you, you just, I, I'm going to stick with mine, I think. Okay. I don't remember what I said for the lead. I think, I think I may have said 13 and you said 14. Maybe. If I remember. And I, so I thought they're it already lower than that, but they're already at 13. You might've went to 15. Honestly, I don't remember. We should look, we should listen back. We should plan more for these. Um, but um, <laughs> you can find a way to archive them. Now that honestly, I'm not editing, I can probably figure out a, a I, I will, I will say, yeah, someone, someone who's listening, set up a, True Blue podcast wiki. No, I can I can do this. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll, I'll get on uh, this. Um, so no, uh, so they're already thirteen up, right? They played the Rockies four times. Uh, 
it's all division for the last two weeks. Um, so I, I think I said 14. I think I will, I'll say 15. Okay. Um, yeah, 15 sounds fine. Yeah. I'll go with you. I may have said, like I said, I even contradicted myself. I may have said 13 and you said 14 before, but whatever. I'm going 15 right now. So, Well, that's the episode, Eric. Wow. See, th- this is one of those like where we didn't talk about anything about the Giant series. Like that's, it was, it seems like so <laughs> yeah, long. I got a lost in that one. We don't want to that's, talk about it. That's how jam-packed that um, <laughs> series was I mean, that, against the Rockies. Like, Man, what a what a weekend! And oh yeah, Kershaw like pitched seven scoreless the other day and is like totally forgotten. Uh, oh, it's Kershaw Grinky tonight. By the time you listen to this, that game will be over. But uh, we don't get that matchup very often. It's only the second time. So yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, hopefully, we'll have more Walker F. Bueller games and other things to talk about next week. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.